There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Timothy Michael McKernan, Gangster Pete, alongside with you. You might know him as Smoke. What's up, Smoke? What up? Uh, Smoke, you have a lot of fans, and this week we already have a lot of emails, and we are actually recording this early this week. This is Monday, September 14th, 2020, because I got so many emails and I actually was thinking about doing it over the weekend, but then I wouldn't be able to do it with you. And because of your fans, <laughs> I would feel like I'd be letting them down if I didn't have you in. And so uh, we already have a bunch. I just posted on the fan page. We're going to record it. So if uh, one or two strike me, then I go there. But we already have so many emails. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of lay the groundwork for what is being discussed. I'm going to have to navigate TMA stuff carefully. So I'm saying this in advance. The nice thing about a podcast is should I go into an area that I might go after the fact, ah, I shouldn't have said that, Gangster Pete can use the shears and edit it. Um, but I, I thought there were a couple that were really well thought out, good questions considering everything that's going on with the show. And I think I can, I think I can give some perspective that, that, I, that, that maybe people haven't heard because I really haven't talked about some of these things. Um, secondarily, uh, last week, for whatever reason, Pete, both you and I saying that we think Donald Trump is going to win, even though we both are clear that we don't want that to happen, um, that, got a, that got a response. But we've been saying it for a while. But for whatever reason, last week's got a, a response um, with some some good data-driven um, people dissenting from that who really think it's it's actually not going to be uh, Trump winning and think that Biden's going to win this comfortably. Um, so we have that as well. Plus, uh, your boy Deeb sent in an erotic story. And that is, you know, that's always going to be the lead anytime that happens. <laughs> he keeps he kept it a secret this week, so I have no idea. So you have no idea until you, well, it's yeah. going to be a real treat for you. Uh, we want you. Any time, I mean, for real, I don't, maybe it would be better, but people have burner, I guess people have burner email accounts. That's usually where, when I get the personal attack emails, they're from burner accounts. So anytime something is on your mind, fire it in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I don't know if it'd be better if we set up QFTA at InsideSTL.com. But I mean, I would see this. It's not, it's not like it's going to change that I'm not going to see it if that's the concern. I don't right. know. But I feel like some people might maybe hesitant in that sense to really like lay into me. Uh, if, if you want to bitch about something or come after me, please do because people will do it, but they're not necessarily QFTAs. They're from their burners. And, and so they don't really provide, you know, like, Hey motherfucker, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, that's, that's great. It's good, but it doesn't really provide a question. It's just an, it's just an attack. So if something is bothering you or you're confused by something radio wise or something that Pete or I have said, you know, please, we welcome it in addition to. Uh, erotic stories. This podcast uh, solicits those emails. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. Uh, and it's sponsored by Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at EvergreenSTL.com. 
James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Online at carltoninsurance.net. Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. Online at designairservice.com. And Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Online at Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com. Ryan Kelly's getting ready to climb a mountain again. This guy runs a, a business that is growing just rapidly, and yet he prioritizes charity. He truly does. Uh, it's the climb for the kids. Yet again, he is doing it. I know he's going to spend some time talking about it this week on TMA. Um, so he hasn't really talked about it yet, but I see it popping up all over my uh, my Facebook feed. And, uh, and he's doing it yet again. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I admire it. I can't be, I, I admire it because I wouldn't have the balls to do it. Honestly, I don't think I would take the time to do it. And you go, oh, well, you have a three-year-old. Well, I think he has a three-year-old too. I think he has a three-year-old who's going to be four in January, if my memory serves correctly, in addition to two older kids um, and a wife. So, you know, he runs his business, continues to grow, and then he puts himself out there and does this. And it's just so personal for him. And I think that tells you about his character. And maybe that matters to you when you decide who you're going to do business with. Maybe it doesn't. Honestly, I don't necessarily worry about that stuff, but apparently there's people who do really pay attention to it. So I want to share that with you. I can tell you this. I refinanced with him and it was really easy and I saved a bunch of money and that's what I care about. His staff is so well-trained that it is such an easy process. And right now, interest rates are so low. You're leaving money on the table by not refinancing with Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And it's just all over, you know, all online. And then you go in for like 10 minutes and you sign the closing documents. Everybody's wearing a mask. It's over. And you've just saved a bunch of money. You're probably saving more than I did by refinancing in April because they dropped even more. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Thehomeloanexpert.com. Studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. Jim Rogers of Restoration One is somebody who saved my basement. It was flooding and I didn't know who to call. And I think it was James Carlton, another wonderful sponsor of the podcast, who said Jim Rogers is the person. He is the person. And boy, was James right. No surprise there. Uh, Restoration One, Jim came over. It was a Saturday. We were flying back into town after being out of town for like two plus months, actually, uh, in 2019. And there he is. He's at our home. Uh, our in-laws had, uh, my in-laws had let him in. And uh, there he is doing, doing his thing, saving the day. And that's what you want. You want to make sure you have the name and the number of the person if, and when your house has damage, because if you're dealing with water, it's just coming in and it's, nothing's going to stop it. More and more is getting damaged with every passing minute. Jim Rogers, restoration one of central St. Louis, 314-888-5266 or go online at restoration. The number one of central St. Louis.com restoration. The number one of central St. Louis.com Jim Rogers, restoration one of central St. Louis. All right. We start with Dave's uh, erotic story. Uh, gangster Pete, you've been waiting for this. You are about to hear it. Tim, not sure if this is what you are looking for, but I had an old memory pop up into my consciousness and I figured I'd share back when I was a young buck at Mizzou, I would occasionally make weekend trips back home for holidays or whatever. I always had a heavy sack at that age <laughs> and my body required that I drop dense ropes whenever possible. <laughs> Well, there was definitely a time or two where my libido and boredom took control of my actions while making the trek from Columbia to St. Louis. My move was to tuck in between 18-wheeler and then turn on cruise control. 
Then I would jerk myself <laughs> off through my jeans, shorts, etc. Like, no actual skin-to-skin contact. I couldn't risk another highway traveler sitting in an <laughs> elevated position seeing my ween. The toughest element to this that no one really considers is open-eye masturbation without visual stimulus. So essentially, I had to fire up my visual cortex with imagined <laughs> sexy images whilst simultaneously processing non-sexual images coming through my eyes, like cars and trucks and switching lanes and shit. When I would achieve climax, I felt like a Zen master. The awkward part of this sitch is the hug with the parents when you arrive home with the crunchy shorts on. Thanks, that's Deebs. Uh, I'm crying. <laughs> This is what I'm looking for with questions from the audience. Now, I have wonderful data on Joe Biden winning the presidential election after we had data last week on President Trump. But when and I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily call it an erotic story, but anything is welcome. (laughs) Anything. This Deebs, I think, should be hosting shows. (laughs) I agree. At the very least, a writer of some kind. Uh, so, uh, Deebs would uh, beat off on I-70. The I-70 beat is what that's called. That's, uh, that, that's his thing? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> this Deebs. It was something that was discussed back in the day. Oh, like, was it really? It, at the frat, they'd call it the I-70 beat. So, this was, the, the, he wasn't the only one doing it? Uh, well, that's up in the air, but it's... it was, it was discussed, just the logistics of the whole thing. It was uh, something we'd like to sit around and talk about. <laughs> this was Phi Delta Theta. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. University of Missouri. Uh, let's see what we got here. Thank you, Deebs. I mean, what a wonderful leadoff hitter. I mean, just so, so strong every week, week in, week out. Uh, all right. I got, I might be in a different spot. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to make cause I know this one's good and it's not going to go down the politics road. So, and I got a couple of these, but I think this one will represent the overall theme of it because with the cat no longer being on TMA, as you can imagine, Gangster Pete, I'm sure your friends have asked you about it. Yep. And listeners may have DM'd you or whatever, however people talk about it with you. I mean, I have people, you know, who I don't necessarily know. Um, you know, if I'm out and we went out to dinner this weekend, come up and ask about it. When I'm playing golf, people I'm playing with will ask about it. Uh, and certainly emails, DMs. So this, this I thought, was kind of all-encompassing. Um, and I thought it was good. And I think it's safe. Uh, but if you think, if you think when I'm reading that this, this might not be safe is our word. Safe is our word. Right. Then please let me know or it. let me know after the podcast. We can edit things. Uh, Tim, I want to start this email off by saying that I'm in my early forties and have been listening to your show since the very beginning of the morning grind days. Over the years, I've always enjoyed the chemistry that your show has between the hosts and the rest of your team. It's what makes the show so great in my opinion. While your show show isn't a sports-centric show at all, I do enjoy that you guys seem to find a healthy balance of talking sports with simply goofing around. I like that your show provides me with several laughs throughout the week as I listen via podcast, especially when we get to hear FS1 Doug. With all that said, and this may not be a very popular opinion, but I want to be honest, it seems as though the show has gotten progressively worse over the last six or seven months. I could be off base on this, but I actually get a read simply from the tone of your voice on the show or from comments you've made on your own podcast that you seem to feel the same way. And I'm just going to say right here that I don't, I don't, I don't feel the show has gotten worse, but I think there are circumstances that need to be addressed because I, I feel like that's kind of becoming a narrative and I don't want to, I don't want to allow it. And I'm going to, I'm just with this email. Um, as I said, it's not the only thing where I'm 
who are listeners are communicating with me. So I just, I, I disagree with that premise, but I do want to talk about circumstances. Uh, going back to the email, I don't know if it all centers around the downstream effects of COVID, but there are definitely times when I find myself fast forwarding through large chunks of the show podcast because the content is just downright awful. Trust me, the porn <laughs> cuck talk doesn't bother me at all as I find it kind of funny. Iggy's repeated stories from 30 plus years ago aren't exactly ideal content, but they're okay from time to time. My main thing is that it seems like everyone on the show, including yourself, is just going through the motions. There just doesn't seem to be as much passion to do the show anymore. Uh, I can only assume there are things going on that you can't necessarily discuss, but it appears you are just resigned to the fact that the show is what it is right now, and you're just dealing with it as best you can as you ride out the remainder of your contract. I would totally get it if at some point in the not-so-distant future you decided to change course and not pursue purchasing the station or doing the show as it is now. You're an intelligent guy, and I think you will find success no matter what avenue you choose. But my main questions are as follows. Number one, do you think the lack of sports or just the general lack of enthusiasm around sports this year has played a role in the show being worse? And I just right there, I got to interject because this is the type of thing that I don't like, and I'm sure I'm guilty of it. It's when one introduces a premise and then builds off the premise like we've agreed to the premise. And I don't agree with the premise of now you think the show is worse and now we're all going to operate the premise of the show is worse. It, I'm not saying this guy's an asshole for saying this at all. I'm just pointing that out. Um, I know your show isn't a sports show, but the fact that local sports have had a big time lack of excitement this year hasn't really helped things all at all, I'm sure. Number two. Does it just boil down to the fact that the chemistry of your TMA family hasn't been there? I'm certain the departure of the plowboy, the cat being in and out, and the fact that it's rare for all of you. And this was this email was sent. Oh, no, I guess it was sent after the, the, the cat uh, situation. Uh, and, and the fact that it's rare for all of you to be in the studio at the same time doesn't help matters at all. Number three, is it just the shitty political times we live in uh, where you feel like you can't discuss any true issues our city, state, or country are facing on the show without people picking sides? and going into attack mode on anyone that disagrees with their opinion. Sorry for the longish email, but I just wanted to put this out there as I know you have mentioned that you welcome all comments, positive or negative. I don't envy the situation you're dealing with right now, but I wish you all nothing but the best of luck and will continue to listen to the show. Thanks. That's from Derek in St. Louis. Gangster Pete, before I even say anything, what are your thoughts on that uh, in, in general? And I realize also, for the record, before I even put you on the spot, you probably have to be more careful than I uh, you know. Well, I certainly disagree with the premise that the show is bad. And I think maybe it's a little different right now because we are dealing with a lot of things in and out of our control, mostly out of our control. So I would, uh, I'd expect people to notice a difference, but I don't think it's bad. Um, I, I, yeah, like the, so, but I, but I mean, I, I understand the premise and there are so many circumstances uh, and I'm glad, I'm glad that the email came in. I'm glad it was written as well as it was. Um, and even though it was, you know, quite critical, I appreciate the tone. See, that's to me, as I have said before, Frank Cusimano uses this Italian phrase about the fine hand, how you deliver the touch of the dagger is important. Uh, and so I respect it and I appreciate it as opposed to like, Hey, motherfucker show stuff. <laughs> so. So therefore, you have earned a what I'd like to give is a, a thoughtful response. Again, as you acknowledge, within the realm of and you, I'm talking about Derek. Uh, you know that there are things that we can't talk about. And honestly, when it gets down, when it, when it gets because people talk about, I just can't wait for the book. 
there are a lot of things that will make people go, I can't believe it. And if I did talk about them, they would, they'd be, it, it would lead to litigation, but I'm not, but those, those types of things are actually things that went on years ago. This stuff is more just business and it's actually not that titillating. Um, it's just business. And so there are a few things. It's like, I want to go line by line through the email to an extent to make sure that I kind of address not kind of, I do address each thing. Um, but your questions actually hit on all of the reasons really. Um, because there is, there is the thing that makes it work is chemistry. It always has, but to go further, it's a three person host dynamic. So much so that beginning in 2007 with my contract with 1380, and I guess I was in a position of great leverage at that time because they really wanted um, what at the time was the morning grind to come back and a new ownership group or new management team had taken over uh, Simmons Media owned and operated 1380 ESPN. They had Bernie Miklas and Randy Carricker, I believe, in afternoons or Bernie in mornings and they were moving him to afternoons to be with Randy Carricker and they wanted to get us and I was debating between moving to New York and doing sports television at SNY or doing sports radio and so I could kind of dictate my terms. And one of the terms I dictated, and this is this is beyond financial, is that not only would the show, would I have control of who the hosts were, um, but that the show would always have three hosts, not, not two hosts and producers, three hosts. I have that in this current contract. That has not changed. Uh, and this contract ends at the end of 2021. Um, for the record, because I don't want to talk like everybody just assumes that, but it seems like my contract's coming up more and more and more emails and then discussions on the fan page and so on and so forth. So, uh, so people know the facts, uh, at least regarding the term, um, because what had happened earlier that year where the cat was let go in 2007 and, um, and what was me, Martin Kilcoin and the cat became me and Bob Fesco. And I hadn't met Bob Fesco. And I know that's kind of become a running joke over the years, but I mean, to put two people together who've never even met, you know, much less replace two people who are popular and then make it a two person show. I'm just like, I'll never do it again. Cause that was a really tough time. So in, in, in hearkening back to that, you know, when, when that stuff was going on in 2007, I remember driving to the station, the station was in Webster Groves and being, I don't know. I mean, I think I might have been actually clinically depressed. I don't know. I, I don't like to throw that around because I, you know, it might, it might be overstating it, but it was really, really, really a bad time. Um, it, it, for so many reasons. And I, and I will talk about this stuff now. Uh, I wouldn't have talked about it. Probably wouldn't even have talked about it in 2010, but I will talk about it now. They were trying to get me to quit. They were doing everything they could to get me to quit because my contract wasn't expiring when they fired the cat. Uh, that was January of 07 and my contract wasn't expiring until September of 2008. And so there was a, you know, whatever, whatever that math would be, what 21 months, you know, that I was due and they didn't want to, they didn't want to pay it, uh, because the thing had become a disaster. Uh, they realized that the thing with Fesco wasn't going to work. So they weren't trying to get me to quit in January, but by March they were. And so every day, not only am I coming in, I mean, am I doing something that I know is just a horrible show 
but I know what's going on. I can't talk about it with the audience. I mean, they're trying everything, uh, everything, everything. And this, this, you know, Jason Barrett was involved with this. So that's, I mean, you know, he can, I'd be happy to have him on and he can say it's not true, but I, I mean, I think he knows it. And, and in a way, you know, strategically, I guess I kind of understand it. Uh, but it went on, you know, I mean, and, and so you have to do that. And, you know, I would, Maybe, I don't know, like I was about to say people deal with this at their jobs, but maybe they don't because you have contracts and talent contracts, and so they try to, like, get you, you know, and they try to tilt you. Dan Marshall did the same shit in 2013. He would send me emails to try to tilt me in the middle of the show. He would send them at 8 o'clock. Now, I couldn't talk about that then, but that that's what was going on. Joe Roderick was the producer of the show at the time um, because producer Joe had just left in part because he just wanted to get out of the business. The other part, cause he saw the man woman things like this isn't going to work. You know, I'm going to, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm in my thirties now. I can't be in a spot where this, you know, we're relying on this, uh, you know, and it's going to go out of business. So, uh, Joe Roderick was in as the producer and I guess he was brokering time for his own show. And I guess he was a couple months behind. I don't know what the hell happened. So Dan just banned him from the building. So our producer had to work remotely. <laughs> and this really happened. I know. You, oh, you, you know, about hey, man. Yeah. yeah, I guess we were listening to the show, Pete. So, you know, and so so we do that. And then he would, you know, he would go to the Post-Dispatch and say shit that just was made up and try to tilt me. And, and so all I've really known for almost the duration of the 16 years of this show is chaos. And it's just the world that I live in. But honestly, I am exhausted by it now. I'm kind of just tired of it. <laughs> and and so that might be, you know, before it was it was my identity. Um, I remember there was a thread on the old Bernie's press box. You ever go on Bernie's press box, yeah. Gangster Pete? Did you? Yeah. Did I, you post I, on it or you no, read it? I read Bernie's Calm every morning with my Cinnamon Toast Crunch before school. Ooh, strong. So this was a forum on stltoday.com, and he's not there anymore, so it's not there. But this was when we were doing the 920 thing, when we were starting that. You know, and and I was talking about it and, you know, just being, and I don't think Bernie was doing radio at the time because it would have been weird if I would have been talking about another station on his forum, but maybe he was, and I was completely lacking self-awareness, which is absolutely possible. But either way, I remember a guy, and it was certainly intended to be mean, um, so, so it's not like he was trying to, you know, give me wisdom and knowledge. You know, it's an internet forum. I mean, you know, anonymous shit. And so it's going to be mean most of the time. And, uh, and it's like, you know, my God, you know, you're in your late thirties. You know, this is your life. Fucking, you know, have a kid and, you know, find something else. And, you know, of course the person isn't aware that my wife and I are, dealing with infertility issues at that time. So we didn't have a kid, but at, at that, again, it's not like the person was trying to like be helpful. He's trying to be an asshole. And I remember thinking, oh, that's not, that, that's not even on my radar. This is what I want to do. This is, this is my life. That's not where I am in 2020. It's just not where I am. Now that doesn't mean that I'm like done, but I'm just saying it's just not where I am. And I would imagine for those of you who have families, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. I also, I also having been relatively recently, only three years ago, somebody who didn't have a child and was in my twenties and thirties without having a child, uh, that, um, it's not something that you can relate to. And I'm not even going to attempt to explain it cause you just can't until you're there. You can't, 
there's no point in even attempting to. It's it's kind of insulting almost. It's almost like condescending when people try to do it. So it's, but that's, but that's it's just not where I am. I also, for whatever reason, once my son was born, became more cognizant of time, and wasting time on things that just are, you know, aren't necessarily things I enjoy and that are really wearing me out away from when I'm actually doing the show. Um, and, and, and by that, I mean, for example, is a, is a crystal clear example. My brother, Kevin, um, he got married in 2016 and he started, um, I don't even know what the right term would be dating, I guess, of, uh, his, um, wife in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. And the first time, even though she grew up like five houses away from us, total South City thing. Um, but the first time she was over, her family thing over on you know, our, my parents' house on Tam Avenue was 2013. And I remember having to th- thinking, she must just fucking think I'm the biggest, because I'm, I'm so upset and I'm on the phone constantly going upstairs. And, when, and I was on the phone with Todd Robbins, who was, I think, the majority of KFNS at the time, while he was doing the thing with Dan Marshall on the man and woman thing. And it's like just owning my weekend and this time with my family. And you know, at that time, I'm just like, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. My wife, who at that time, had been with me for five years, and she's familiar with this stuff by now. And it's just it's just our normal that... Uh, I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. Well, now here we are years later and I'm over at my parents' house and I'm doing it again. And, but I've been doing it every fucking year since too. It's not, it's not, it's, it's just, and I just go, this is, it's it's like, you know, I'm 43 years old. It's essentially been a sixth of my life if we're only counting 2013 through 2020. But really it it started way back in 2004, a month into the show, they were going to fire us even though we were under contract because the old people who were used to the Cardinals are playing the Brewers today, joining us from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel to talk about the Cardinals and Brewers is the beat writer. And, you know, you do a 15-minute interview with him that nobody fucking cares about <laughs> outside of, like, those five guys who would call in all the time. You know, it was terrible radio. So we did something different, as you can imagine, here. It didn't play well initially. But here we are 16 years later, and those people are gone, and we're still here. And that's the game. And it's like, okay, I'm just kind of... I'm just tired, you know, I guess that's the best way to describe it. I'm kind of tired. So, you know, that I think would be, I hope that, I hope that gives some backstory. Um, because I think about, I think about really, I think about my wife and my son. That's, that's who I think about more than anything. I also think it's been, we've been able to do this show 16 years, been able to work in the market 20 years. My goal, I was caddying at Old Warson for only like a couple of months in 1998. In 1998, I was anchoring at KMOV less than 18 months later, but I was caddying at Old Warson in 1998, in like July and August of 1998. And I remember, and I think I told my mom this, my goal is to just be able to, to work in St. Louis. I wanted to call Cardinal Games, realized within a couple of years that wasn't going to happen, not because I couldn't do it, but just because I'm, I'm not the personality for that. Um, and I'm absolutely not hireable and I, it just wouldn't, it would never work, but that's neither here nor then. That's not, not to say I could, I know, I believe I could do it without a question in my mind, but I know that I would never be hired. 
But I wanted to call Cardinal games, so what I wanted to do is get up in the morning, play golf, and then go call the Cardinal. That's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to New York. I didn't want to go to L.A. I didn't want to be on a network at all. That's what I wanted. That was the goal. And that's, that's I'm 22 years old, almost 22 years old at the point. So it's not like this is, you know, you're eight and somebody asks you what you want to do when you grow up. And so I've been, I've been in my hometown market for 20 years, nearly half my life, almost all of my professional life. And for 16 of the 20 years, I've been able to laugh my ass off for three hours with people, I mean, across the board, who I really like and respect. I mean, in a major way. And really, you know, I mean, it's not overstating. It kind of had, I don't know if I would call it a family, but kind of had to form it as a team. You know, each group, each each. Uh, chapter, so to speak, of each era, you know, me, Martin, the cat and producer Joe were a team and we fought battles together, you know, and most of the people listening to this don't even, maybe I don't even know some of those, you know, those, those shows weren't listening then. And then it, you know, and then it happened again with, uh, when Doug joined the show and Martin left in 2007. And it just, it's, it's continued and, you know, it's, it's a personality trait that I guess, um, I guess we seek, but I also think it's a personality trait of the listeners that they, they, they invest as well. Um, so I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I've been fucking, I, I feel like I've been fucking lucky, man, to have 20 years in your hometown market in this business is just, I mean, I didn't know if I'd get a one much less 20. And then when I was trying to do was do television, which now is, you know, I mean, I guess people are still doing it, but it's definitely not, you know, what you know, I, I can't imagine they're teaching courses on it at Mizzou now. I mean, I guess maybe they are, I don't fucking know, but God, who would do it? But, uh, that, you know, that the radio thing emerged. I started in 2002, but this show started in 2004 and to do this, and it's, you know, been what it's been. I'm just, I'm, when I say I'm, I'm and, and so I hope this doesn't come off like it's a eulogy because that's not what I'm saying. I'm just like, I've said it so often. And I think when I used to say it, it was like, well, this show's not going to end anytime soon. And now I think people think the show is going to end. And so I just want to keep hammering this point home that if and when it does end, of course it will end. But, you know, if, if the time that it does end is sooner rather than later, I mean, I want to make this clear before it happens that I just, I really, truly feel lucky. And yeah, there have certainly been a lot of nights and a lot of days spent dealing with things that the public will never know about. And even if I did tell, I mean, I won't talk about them because what upside do I get from it? What am I going to shit on somebody who I worked for 11 years ago? I mean, who fucking cares? I mean, I guess maybe some people like that stuff. Um, and I understand that, but it's just, you know, that's just, uh, you know, um, so, uh, and by shit on, I mean, I like, just like make personal attacks. If somebody did something, I will just say, this is what happened, you know? And if it comes off the wrong way, it comes off the wrong way. But if they did it, fuck, they did it. Uh, like Barrett trying to get me to quit, you know, I mean, he did it. And if he was going to act like he did, <laughs> you know, uh, God bless, I'll give him a hundred to one on his money if he wants to. But, uh, that, that it's just, it's, you know, you feel fortunate when you have that opportunity that's how I look at it. And also, you know, to make a decent living doing it, certainly, you know, I mean, shit, I feel very fortunate, but 
you know, for what you say about, you know, um, you can hear it in my voice. Yeah, it's a good read because I am. I am. I'm not I'm not like physically exhausted per se, but mentally I absolutely am. I absolutely am. I absolutely am. Um, and I, I started saying this back in March and April before I was beginning to get mentally exhausted that the COVID discussion was the worst. It still is, but we were talking about it for a couple of weeks. We were talking about it. Um, and I thought the discussions were healthy. Then it became a political thing and it was the worst and it is, and it still is. And it's still going on now. If I give my opinion, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the normal criticism. It's really from an angry, I don't know what, I don't know, man. I, I'm trying to use a stronger word than angry and a lesser word than evil. It's just, it's whatever it would fall in between there. It is something else because I've gotten hate mail for two decades. That's it's, but this is in a different world. And it's also, it's also, it bothers me more, not because it's shots at me, because again, after 20 years of it, you just kind of, it's like calluses. You just kind of, it's like, but because you're like, oh my God, this is where it's not this individual. It's like, holy shit. There are a lot of people who think this way. And this is, this is, we're fucked. So that's, you know, that, 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 I, th I think that's the part about it that bothers me more. Um, and, and then, you know, naturally everything really at this moment could fall under the umbrella of being political and sports and politics slash social issues. If you do separate the two are so intertwined and I just really don't enjoy talking about it on TMA. Whereas I do enjoy talking about it here in, and, 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 and I enjoyed Derek's email, which is certainly critical of the show, but I enjoyed the way it was laid out. As opposed to, yeah, just fucking saying, just like assuming that you know what's going on and you just don't. I mean, I just told Pete something before we started the show that is absolutely huge, huge, huge. And he didn't know about it. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, huge. And, and he's he's in the trenches. Um, and, 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 if I, and then if I, oh, by the way, and it's not even that exciting per se. It's just a thing and it matters in a huge way. Um, but that's the thing that, that like, not everything is like, you know, is, is all this that exciting. It's just, it's just business, but with regard to the show and it, it just, it, yeah, it's wearing me out. And I do guess physically my son has started sleeping in our bed, which a lot of you probably can relate to with your kids coming in your bed. And it just sometimes, some nights I just don't get sleep this, the, the night the you know, today our son was in our bed from the beginning and I probably was up from about 1am to three something a.m. Um, just not sleeping, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I guess in that sense, physically, but it's more, it's certainly the topics, uh, which you asked about that there is no sports. You don't have that to really discuss. I don't know. And I'm not saying it, I say it often, but anytime I say it, I'm not saying it from like a flippant, uh, standpoint. I don't know what they're talking about. on want to win ESPN. And again, it's not flippant that I don't listen to it. I don't listen to it but I know that they're sports, or at least I believe that they're all sports. I don't know how they're handling that. Like if we only could talk sports right now, fuck that man, you want to get me to resign? <laughs> you know, if Barrett were hearing this for 2007, that would be, ex I don't know. I mean, what would I do? Like, yeah, Brady and the saints, let's talk about it. I mean, is Brady done? You know, and how about the nuggets down three, one forcing a game seven? What about LeBron? And how about it? Austin Rivers throwing the ball at his head. Was that disrespectful? And I mean, oh my God. And, you know, talk about 
Ravello in the outfield for the Cardinals and, you know, day 70 of Petrangelo free agency time. It just, it just doesn't do it for me. And maybe that's just something that comes with time that you just kind of get to a spot where it isn't as important. I don't know, but that's just not where I, so that everything is kind of social slash political, but it is not, we're not operating from the same book of facts and maybe my facts are wrong. You know, who am I to say my facts are right and yours are wrong. I am certainly coming from a place of confidence that mine are right. And I feel like every passing day, hell, now we have audio recordings, <laughs> uh, but it does, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter by the way. Uh, and so it's just like, I don't need, what, what can I talk about on the show? I know what it's going to happen. Doug will disagree and say something. And then, and then I'm like, God, I don't want to really argue with Doug. And, and then people are like, Oh, you're such a pussy. Cause you won't, why won't you yell at Doug when he says this shit? Oh, you're a coward. Cause you don't want to talk. You can't win. And I'm exhausted by that. Um, so, and it's, and it's, I just don't know. I don't, it's not like, okay, it's going to wrap up in November and everything will be fine. It's just not going to happen. Also what you brought up, Derek, the fact that we're all not in the same studio or we weren't huge thing, absolutely huge thing, huge thing. When you had all of us in different places, um, not so much when one was away, I felt but when one's on the phone, it's tougher because there's a, just a little delay and the show is such of a, you know, timing thing. So that's a thing. And that's, that's a real thing. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you, you're, you assessed the reasons in your questions. Um, you know, the sports element, uh, the chemistry with people being out and people not being on the show anymore. And, uh, and then the political times. I mean, that's, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, but I want to give those backstories because hopefully, um, that helps provide insight. And here's another thing. And I wonder about this gangster Pete and I, and it's, it, it's, and I, I overvalue it. I've, I've said this, I know I've said it to my wife. I maybe have said it to you. I know I've said it to some other people, uh, here. There was a video that I saw, um, Eric and Ardini, Barstool CEO tweet out this weekend. It was like a two minute, a two minute, like sizzle reel. They, they call it, you right. know, hyping. And yep. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have the audio up, but I gather it's something they're pitching for advertisers. Totally, you know, standard move, smart. And they have, my God, who can, who can sell the young people better than them um, at this moment in history. And I saw the comments and I went to, I just went for whatever reason, I went to look at the comments because that group is so like, you know, they'll just, they, they live and die with it, but are supportive. And, and I guess in the audio, they said, as they're trying to pitch this to advertise, pitch Barstool advertise that Barstool listeners, readers, you know, social media, uh, they view themselves as part of the team. And there is that support there. It's like, if somebody is going to tweet something anti Barstool, they just got to be ready because they know it's coming. <laughs> They're going to get a barrage of barstool people coming after them. And I have felt like, and maybe this is wrong, and you and Doug would be the two opposite of me, the two opposites of me uh, on this. I and, and not just as like, oh, I don't give a shit because you really are this way. I, I have felt alone um, in in the fight, so to speak. Uh, not to say people aren't fighting with me, but, but, but it is kind of my situation. Um, for the last however many months, and then uh, and but again, it's my situation. It's not it's not yours or Doug's or 
the cats or the plowhawks or Iggy's. It's, 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 it's my situation. Um, but the tough thing is, and I don't know why, and I don't, for the life of me, I can't explain it, but I feel like there is a healthy portion of the audience that just is not, it's one thing to not like me as a personality on the radio that I, I, I get it because so many times right now, people like personalities on the radio based on politics. And so if you are a, you know, if you were living in St. Louis, Missouri in 2020 and me being, I don't know if I would call myself on the left, but certainly not a Donald Trump person and agnostic. Uh, I understand how I'm not going to be, uh, you know, popular with a healthy number of people, but I don't necessarily feel like that, that team thing of the, everybody's pulling in the direction, not on the show, but in the audience. And maybe it's overrating, you know, the passive aggressive fan page shit, uh, which I know that's where you would say, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Cause you have told me before, fuck it. Who cares? I've also noticed a lot of barstool people, no matter what they post, will get trashed in the comments. So it's, it happens. So it happens too. both yeah. ways. But, but here's why, here's why, here's where, of course, obviously there's a huge difference between Barstool and whatever we would do. For us, it being, you know, infinitely smaller, if you do have people who want to see something fail and I am putting my ass on the line, I have, I, I don't I want to say I have to factor it into the equation, but I do factor it into the equation. I do factor it into the equation. Because when you're talking about something that's smaller, that at this moment is only St. Louis, um, and if you have enough people who want to not acknowledge that their narrative may have been wrong or want to create problems for the entity with social media, you can absolutely do it. And so, therefore, I factored in the equation. I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that this is, um, you know, even, I don't even know why I would say it's 10%, but it's there. Uh, and I would imagine people are aware of this, but maybe they're not. And, and I think I got a few emails in here uh, this week that, that talk about that. But um, that that's something that 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 I also and, and so when I'm dealing with this stuff, and I know, and I think it I think it hit me too when I talked about the article in the paper that you know ideally would have never been there about um, us and and potentially purchasing the radio station. That's why there are confidentiality agreements um, because otherwise, you know, things, you know, like for example, when we did the 920 deal, it was just, we announced it. No one knew Whoa. the day of, we just announced it. We did the deal. It's not something that got knocked out in an hour. It went on for months, but we announced it. This, this is like, uh, you know, and, and, you know, like the Derek wrote something along the lines. I would totally get it at some point in the not so distant future decided to change course and not pursue purchasing the station. And I'm not saying this, to be an ass at all or flippantly, what makes you think I am? You know, did I just rock everybody's world right there? But I mean, <laughs> I just, like, I, I, I just, I, you know, I mean, it, just because it's written about, you know, four months ago doesn't make it so. So, you know, what am I saying? You know, it's like I saw Charlie getting all banty uh, <laughs> on the fan page. He's like, did anybody notice I wasn't quoted, you know, and, and it's a thing, it's a tough spot, but here's the thing. I also know that God, probably nearly everyone listening to this has never had their jobs covered by someone and written about in the newspaper or online. Certainly a nice number of people have, but of the people listening to this, how many have, 
So for me, that's my reality, and I I understand it and accept it. Uh, but you know, but I also realize on the other side, if you've never had it, then you can't pot. Then you know, you just you're you grow up. It's programmed into you. Now maybe things have changed over the last handful of years. That if it's in the newspaper, it is true. It is real, and that's not the way that it is. So so there is so there is that element of it. Um, so now with that said, without question. Um, you know, it is something that is, you know, real and it's, but it's been real for three plus years. It just gets written about here and there, but I don't participate unless I'm like forced to just like say something as like empty as I can just for the sake of saying something because no comment would come off worse. You know, like, like when Dan Marshall used to take shots and he tried to bait me and I just go, well, we're focused on our work here at CBS sports 920, which was a way of saying, go fuck yourself. You're a clown. I don't have to worry about you. You're going out of business and I know it. So we're focused on our work here at 920. You're calling me names, you know, whatever. So that's just, that's how I handle it. I'm not saying it's right, but at this point, if you followed it now, you kind of see what I do. Now, you might not like it. You would rather me just fucking lose my shit and scream, but that is how I handle it. It is more behind the scenes. So I wanted to give this email, which I thought was really laid out well, because I'm sure if Derek's laying it out this well, and I saw it, um, you know, uh, on a thread, and I think there was another one in here, uh, yeah, right below, asking about it that I'm like, okay, people are asking this. People are wondering it. I want to, I want to provide some context to it because, you know, um, but, but think about, think about it. You know, for the last six months, there haven't been sports. Um, and if there has, I can't imagine, I don't know, Pete, even 20% of the audience is intensely into sports now as they were this time last year? I mean, would you say, I know we like to assign, I like to assign arbitrary percentages and probabilities. I'd probably go 25-30. You think 25-30 are as into it, really? Well, I mean, not as into it, but as into it as you can be under the current Okay, well, okay. All right, well, that's, that's, but that's, that changes what I laid out. Like, yeah, like yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's just not where it is. You know, if the Blues were still playing right now, I know, because when they were playing the Canucks, I was getting into it, I was getting into it, and then by Friday night and they were down three, two. And then the first five minutes, I'm like, Oh, well, this is over. Yeah. Um, the, the Cardinals in a normal situation where they're battling for a playoff spot and there are like two weeks left, I'd be locked in. I don't even, I just don't even bother to watch it. I really don't. And people might go, that's your fucking job. And I'd go, oh, my job's to generate return on investment for my advertisers. Actually, that's my job. Um, now I'm not saying that people say that, but that that's like a dogmatic sports talk radio thing. So I'm, my job is to be honest with the audience, and I'm not into it. And I know a lot of you aren't into it either. Um, so I wanted to, to, to lay that out. I wanted to also say that, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, when you have a group of people who've worked together for as long as we have, and now two of those people aren't a part of it, you know, and the cat, you might say, well, the cat just, you know, his situation just happened. I guess we knew about it, Pete, uh, the day of. The right. public knew about it. You know, I guess the article came out a handful of days ago, and we talked about it briefly on the radio show, um, I guess six days ago. Uh, but he was out all of July, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the Plowhawk hasn't been on the show since June. I mean, it was, of course it's going to change the show. 
And and not only is it going to change the show, it's 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 not, you know, it's a downer for all of us on the show, just like it's a downer for you in the audience. But it's probably a bigger downer for us than it is for you in the audience because these are the people we've worked with and we've grown this thing with. So, you know, you have that. Um, there are other business issues. Um, just like any other business uh, in 2020 that people are navigating. And perhaps there are some that not every other business is dealing with, whereas some businesses may be thriving, as you probably can imagine. But, you know, once I say it, but, you know, with with revenues down across the board for most industries, what are the first things they cut? They cut advertising. So advertising, and this is not limited to KFNS at all. I think actually KFNS, comparatively speaking, might be in a better shape. Um, I'm talking about for stations that are, that get ratings and, and successful stations and they year over year decline so steep, just rounds of layoffs. Uh, it's just, it's, that's a real thing. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, this might be a part where you would edit it out and I'm, you know, you know, you know, I don't know. It's tough because, it, you know, guys, you know, not everybody's making the same amount. And cuts impact people differently and, you know, and really can, uh, you know, and, and, you know, so you, so that's a part of everything. Um, but I have to tell you something, if I were the person who owned the station during this time, uh, I, I assure you, I would have had pay cuts and I would have had layoffs. I assure you, I would have, this is not something, I mean, it, it's, it has to, cause I, cause I know the revenue numbers. So you have to just like everybody else in business, you know? So this isn't, a, it's not a criticism of pay cuts and layoffs. I want to make that clear, but you know, uh, so that's a real thing. And, uh, and then, yeah, the political thing is absolutely. And, and like I said, it's not getting personally attacked on it. It's just, when I read it, it's like, holy shit. And it's, and it truly is a God, nothing matters. It's like, it doesn't matter. And I can't, you know, and I guess this will weave us into where we're going next, uh, Pete. Did you watch 60 Minutes last night? No, I haven't, I haven't recorded. I mean, I read about it. Yeah, and but I mean, you hear the audio, and I'm talking about Bob Woodward in the, his new book, Rage, and the interviews with President Trump. And, and, and the reason why... I, it became political in March with regard to COVID is because he was saying it wasn't a big deal. And then you had people on the medical side going, but it is. But then you had the people going, well, our president, who we're going to fight with no matter what, says it isn't. And then conservative media, which, you know, you're in your bubble, whether it's liberal media or conservative media, is, is therefore, of course, going to run his playbook. And now you hear, and that was the thing. And why did he say that? Now, he says it was to keep people calm. And I have to tell you, I would understand that. I would understand that. President Bush, watching a lot of September 11th uh, documentaries here in the last week as the September 11th, 19th anniversary um, took place on uh, Friday. Uh, 
said in that moment, you know, I wanted to get back to Washington, D.C. They're flying me to Shreveport, Louisiana. Then they're flying me to Nebraska. And then I just say, I am going back to Washington, D.C. I have got to project calm at this time. I get that. There's a difference, though. There's a difference, though. First off, that is the president wanting to address the nation and not be in hiding. This, I believe, is a circumstance in which people didn't take it as seriously because the president was telling them not to take it as seriously initially. And I believe his reasoning was because he wants to get reelected. I think he handles it differently if he had been reelected and this takes place in January of 2021. It couldn't have happened at a worse time. It couldn't have happened at a worse time with a worse president. Couldn't. And that is why that audio uh, is, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it just confirms it. The thing that hasn't necessarily gotten as much attention um, is the very end of the piece in which Woodward and Trump uh, d- did 18 interviews, all of which were recorded. And uh, Woodward calls the president and, you know, President Trump asks, what the, what's the book going to be like? Uh, and uh, Woodward says, well, I'm tough on you. You're probably not going to like it. And Trump, you can hear him laughing. Oh, well, maybe I'll get you for the next one. You know, get, get, get you on my side for the next one is what he was saying. And it's a friendly conversation. And Woodward thanks him for all of his time. They hang up the phone. 90 minutes later, Trump, now knowing that the book is going to be critical of him, uh, goes and attacks the book and says it's fake news. <laughs> Standard playbook. <laughs> I mean, and I didn't know, I honestly didn't know that until watching the piece. But here, I assure you, Pete, you saying you recorded it, me saying I listened to or watched it and expressing the opinions that I'm expressing, just by watching 60 Minutes, we're liberals. Yeah. And that's where it is. And that's, and that's why I'm just like, I'm like, okay, it's one thing if it's like, well, we're going to, we're going to discount the Atlantic article because the Atlantic is liberal and you have anonymous sources. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll play along with it. I don't agree necessarily, but I will say this CNN sure as hell seems to have a lot of anonymous sources inside the white house where after a while, like after four years, even if it's the most dysfunctional white house in the history of our union, you would be able to figure out who the anonymous sources are. It is suspect. It's suspect as fuck. But in this case, this is the man's voice. This is the man's voice. <laughs> and the annoying thing is what you said earlier. It's like nothing's going to come of it. Nothing. Like I don't I, like I read this stuff. I'm like, why do I even read this? Nothing's going to come yeah, of it. It's just it's just. But that's the thing. So even like discuss. It's like we're not. It, I'm just. You know, but I did see when. <laughs> And, and the day that article came out, you know, for as much as the fan page has been political, the article isn't even lit. Because I'm like, I want to see what people are saying about the article, the Washington Post article. And I know, I realize you have to subscribe. I imagine they took the paywall off that one, but I don't know. I'm a subscriber. So, I, you know, and I'm like, I want to see what people are saying about it. This is pretty damning. And you can hear the president's voice. It never got linked. <laughs> uh, you get the stupid, I mean, there's some guy linking YouTube videos that I'm, you know, I mean, uh, but that didn't make, that didn't get linked. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I so, feel you, dog. Yeah. <laughs> 
but I but I but I'm not coming at it from a he everything you know is it's I'm that's not where I am because I really do with the anonymous source shit and it all it does is it feeds into it I'm telling you CNN and the anonymous an anonymous source inside the White House said President Trump was really upset about the Atlantic article who I mean for real like who who would be that close to him that then would go run to I mean just if you play out the hand and I have to say I mean I. You know, I realize this might now the people who loved what I said earlier are like, well, hold on a second. Fuck you. I, I don't know. This is what I think. I do think these things. And I do understand the idea of keeping the country calm. I legitimately understand that, especially if it's the real reason. The problem is I don't believe it was the real reason. That's the issue. You're fresh off the impeachment hearings. He's wobbly. And now he's got this and he's worried it's going to ruin the one thing that even the people who would hate him would say he did have a successful first term with. And that's the economy. So that is what I think. Could I be wrong? Yes. Is there any chance in the world I think I'm wrong? Not <laughs> one. Not even 0.1%. Not even one. And his actions in the ensuing seven weeks back that up. Now we have his words in the ensuing seven weeks. But like we just said, it isn't going to fucking matter. It isn't going to fucking matter. And I'm just exhausted by that. I'm exhausted by it because I don't think it ends whenever he's out. I think this is our new normal. Uh. John McCain selecting Sarah Palin as his running mate began batshit into the mainstream and it's still in our stream, and it isn't going anywhere whenever he's gone. And it's just, I think it's going to get fucking worse. So with that said, how do we go to our next topic? So it leads into this email, and this was also a wonderful exchange because uh, I got a few of these after last week's questions from the audience. Hey, Tim, love the show and the podcast. Picked up the show while living in St. Louis City and driving to St. Charles every day for work for a year in 2015 before I left STL and have been with the presentation since. I do not understand your insistence that Trump is going to win again. I hate to do this, but I'm going to interrupt. Just anytime something's written, it's just not, it isn't accurate. I got to stop. And I did email this back to the gentleman, so he knows it. Pete and I are not insisting, at least I'm not, and I don't think you are, that Trump is going to win. No, I just think it's going to happen. Right, that's exactly right. So if you say, Tim, you got to bet 100 bucks, who's going to win? I would say President Trump. That's where I am. I'm by no means saying it is a lock. And I explain this to him, and then he goes, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So just just to be clear, neither one of us, I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. I, this thing, you could have President Kamala Harris in January 2021, and I wouldn't really rule it out. <laughs> you could have President Mike Pence in January 2021, and I really, you have President Nikki Haley in January 20. I really wouldn't rule it out. I'm telling you, this thing is wide open. There is, If this were DraftKings, there is value all over um, so with that said, I continue. I'm currently listening to this week's questions from the audience. I want to provide you with some evidence to perhaps sway your position. Third party voters from 2016, when Gary Johnson had high name ID and a quote, well-funded operation for a third party candidate are breaking for Biden two to one. And then he provides, um, a, a poll from NBC news. There is not a significant third-party candidate this cycle, so there will be votes up for snatch grabs. That is an outstanding observation. And, and, and Pete, if you remember that poll I did on the fan page where a lot of people in 2016 voted for neither Clinton or Trump, 
but voted for a third party now said they're voting for Biden. I think that was the biggest change uh, that I would observe. So I agree 100% with this person. And uh, this is Dustin from Colorado, by the way. Um, Let's see, number two. Trump is running out of funds. And I saw an article about that this morning. Um, But this email was sent like on Thursday last week on the 10th. Uh, Biden's upcoming media buys, from my understanding, no link, are crushing Trump's. Here's a New York Times article discussing Trump's cash flow issues. The pure percentage of polling of Biden consistently reaching higher percentages in national and swing state polls compared to Clinton's low to mid-40s. Low 50s or high 40s is common for Biden. You can look at almost any poll to verify this claim, and I would agree with that. That is also accurate. Both Gangster Pete and yourself suggested if someone more, quote, exciting was the candidate, it might drive people out to vote more. Perhaps this is true of the base, but the points of his nomination was that he appeals to moderates, not more engaged people who are more likely to wear a hat or wave a flag of a particular candidate. That was the entire premise of the DNC being ultimately successful in propping him up as the nominee. Biden has, throughout this entire process, been ahead in the head-to-head polls with Trump. I believe almost all progressive voters will come home due to their hatred of Trump, myself included as a two-time Bernie bro. The Democratic base will come home because we understand how destructive another four years of this guy would be. This hidden voters thing is nonsense. Pollsters adjusted their models and did quite well in the 2018 election. In fact, the Dems well outperformed the models in the House, winning by such a large margin the GOP isn't even trying to retake the House The Senate map was too difficult to overcome, but the tables are turned in that regard in 2020 and will be potentially again in 2022. You've discussed the fanaticism of the 35%. You really believe there is another 11 to 15% who will support his policies but not be vocal about it. Perhaps being from extremely rural America has skewed my perception here, as everyone I know who who backs Trump proudly will let you know about their love. Uh, yeah. So that's a point where we disagree. Uh, That's a, that's a big point where we disagree. I think there, I think that is still, I mean, still to this day, I get emails and I'm just like, okay, you're voting. And it's, I get it by the way. It's not like, I'm like, fuck you. Why are you voting? I get it. But yeah, the closeted Trump thing I think is a, is something that is live and probably contributes to my, uh, my thought process more than anything else. Um, demographic. And, and also we talked about last week, follow the money. The money is, in his corner. I'm, t- I'm not talking about advertising dollars or campaign funds. I'm talking about the market. Demographic shifts. The country continues to become more diverse. People are moving to swing states, and those moving are higher educated than the average set of people, like Arizona, North Carolina, and of course, Texas. And this Time article illustrates both these points. I love that this gentleman linked all this stuff. God bless. This was a very well written. We got some great emails this week. I've only read two of them. Fucking idiot. Uh, I myself am an Iowa transplant to Colorado, one of the many who have turned this state from red to purple to solid blue and will be flipping a U.S. Senate seat this year. But Colorado is just ahead of that trend and the other states mentioned, and we will also be gaining more representation in D.C. These are just a few points I have yet to hear you discuss. Well, you just introduced them, Uh, and maybe you've covered some of them that I think are important to frame the conversation about how much different 2016 is than 2020. At the end of the day, Trump won three states by a combined 100,000 votes. I do not believe Trump has governed in such a fashion that he will be able to expand his base. We know many people of color and young people sat out in 2016. Biden has so much more room to grow his base vote than what Trump's capable of doing. Clinton didn't even campaign once 
in Michigan or Wisconsin during the general election. Think about that. Bernie won both the Michigan and the Main Street media was Main Street media was shocked that night. Uh, and Wisconsin by 13 points in primaries, and yet she didn't even go visit either during the general election cycle. She ran such a horrific, entitled coronation campaign. Biden was in Michigan yesterday. Could not disagree more with you that it was a mistake for Biden to visit. I, I don't. I don't. I didn't I don't say think that. that. <laughs> but it was great. It's still a great email, even though things, some things are being written that aren't true. I said that is a surprise and could illustrate a concern, but I did not say it's a quote mistake. Uh, the blue wall states need reaffirming. Biden is rightfully attacking those states. Thanks for reading my word vomit. A couple of bleach for me now. Thanks Dustin from Colorado. Great email. Nonetheless, a couple of things, but then I followed up with Dustin. Um, and I said, just to be clear, you are a Biden supporter. Correct. You're voting for Biden as he said earlier, just by the way, he's a Bernie guy, as he said, and he said, yes. And I said, respectfully, I don't have an insistence that Trump will win. I said, if I had to bet a hundred bucks, that's where I would bet. If I had to bet a hundred bucks on who wins the Stanley Cup, I'd pick the Lightning. But I wouldn't insist they're going to win. Hopefully that properly frames the conversation. Also, unless my read's completely off, you want Biden to win and Trump to lose. And therefore, you don't like hearing me say my opinion that if I had to bet a hundred dollars on who wins, I'd pick Trump. Am I correct on that? And he wrote back. Uh, hey, Tim, of course, correct read. However, I am concerned his win in 2020 will ensure GOP control in 2024. And he is such a moderate that he wouldn't, won't seriously address any of the large issues of our time. I believe he's talking about Biden there for the record, namely health care costs and climate change effects. Biden was about my 13th pick of the candidates running. I am voting for him like you did Clinton in 2016. Totally understand your betting premise, as you've mentioned it before. I've wanted to write this email for some time. I have skin on Biden when he was plus 115, kicking myself every day for not getting him at plus 700, as you mentioned in February, when it was obvious what the DNC was doing. I guess my purpose for my email was to provide some rebuttal as to why I think Biden, I think my 13th choice from the Democratic primary, will defeat Trump in two months, just as you think Trump will win. Doesn't mean I'm mad or triggered. Just wanted to put in my two cents into your inbox, but I've been wrong before, like also thinking the Battle Hawks would also fail. Best, Dustin. I'm having a big year of being wrong, so if we continue that trend, Biden would win. But I'm not. I mean, I thought the Battle Hawks were had no, absolutely no chance. So, and I guess people would say, well, they're not around, so they didn't. But no, my 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 premise was it would have zero support in St. Louis or very little, and I was wrong. So that's that's already shipped. And I bet the Plowhawk, the Cardinals, would make a major offensive acquisition in the offseason. That's already shipped. So I have lost that. I bet you uh, here on the podcast, Pete, that there would not be a game of college football. That's right. And you know what I got to do. I got to Venmo you right now. Venmo for rolls. I got a Venmo right now. Thank God it was only $10. <laughs> I have so many bets out there. I just forgot about them. I, I would have gone higher, but you almost convinced me that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was I was absolutely, uh, so 10 bucks. I'm going to do yep. it right now because uh, I want to make sure I pay my debts. Um, like a Lannister. Lannister always pays his debts. So um, anyway, yeah, I've been wrong in a bunch. Of, boy, my Venmo's going down. It's not good. Um, so, anyway, uh, Gangster Pete, what do you think of Dustin's email? Uh, I thought it was well written. I uh, I hope he's right. Uh, I think he's wrong about the closet Trumpers. I do think that's a real deal. But uh, he made a really good point about the no third-party candidate like Gary Johnson this year. I mean, I know I was all about him last time. Oh, you were? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He, he was on Joe Rogan. I really liked him. And then he, he got that Rogan bump and then blew it with his foreign policy stuff interesting oh, i uh i was not aware of that we were trying to get him on 
Jill Stein came on the show. How about wow. that? Dr. Jill yeah. Stein. Um, I really like the email. Uh, I think if you all want to see Biden uh, win, you probably like the email as well uh, to uh, hear somebody lay it out in, in a data-driven premise. And I guess, I guess I wouldn't say I guess, I know that my reasoning for thinking the way I think is that I think there is a large portion and yes, I would say as much as 11 to 15%, I really would, of people who would never publicly say they're voting for Donald Trump. I really think that is a real thing. Uh, again, not insisting that it is. I just, I am so, I'm so, you know, and I think part of it, uh, and I say this to the audience because I'm saying it right now, addressing Dustin in his email, is what led into our starting to read the politics emails is that just nothing matters. You don't, I mean, it just doesn't. And, and I don't, nothing matters, I guess, has kind of become like this, I guess it's become a liberal battle cry, I think. I don't know. Um, but I'm not using it as a battle cry so much as just like what Pete said. It just like you have this, you have, you have him saying the, how deadly this is, how he knows it, uh, and how, it, how he was told that it's go, it is going to be worse than the Spanish flu of, of 1918 and, and then you have what he did and said for the next seven weeks. And then like 10 days later, they're talking again and, and he's talking about how it's worse. And then in, I think it was March 19th, if I'm not mistaken, talking about, oh, now it's a problem because it's affecting young people. Oh, and I just, I, you know, and, and there was a discussion, Pete, last night on, on the fan page and I, and I don't participate in them, but I did read this. And I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Is that the one we got tagged in? Uh, I don't know. I I, I get tagged and I immediately remove my tag. So I, right. I, I it's like an automatic. I won't read it if I get tagged in. <laughs> I saw I was tagged and I saw it was political. And I was just like, Ugh, no, thank you. what what was that about? I, I don't even remember. Um, that that there are people who guy I know actually wrote this who actually worked with us who's a great guy. Um, some people don't care about the person they care about the policies, which for a lot of people listening to this go, yeah, no shit, Tim, you didn't know that. Uh, but I guess the thing that stands out to me is I feel like a lot of people who say that also will defend him. Like, again, it's the same thing. And I never really got him. I got one that I thought was close to it was the guy from Columbia, Missouri. When I said, if you are, I'm not talking about your voting for Donald Trump. I, I when I say I get it, I'm not necessarily saying I get it per se, but I understand that there are millions of people who will vote for Donald Trump. And I understand some of the reasoning for it, even though I would not. I, you could, I don't know who, who you think I think the least of in the world. You could put that person on the ticket and I would vote for that person because I think that person would be less dangerous. Um, but, but as far as um, policy in person, I, I see a lot of the people who, who say that, but then then kind of like will defend the person stuff and then go, people are just obsessed with Trump. Oh, orange man, bad, you know, kind of like the shit on it. It's just like, God, I mean, if there were somebody I voted for and there it was all of this and there has been all of this going back into 2017 that, that we're numb to it now, I would be honest, I'd be so, I'd be so like disappointed, not because now it's like you should be disappointed. That's not what I'm saying. I'd be disappointed in my judgment. Like, how in the fuck did I miss this? 
you know, I voted for George W. Bush and I was disappointed in myself. And that might floor some people when I say that because of the Iraqi war. That was, that was the thing that really the main thing actually, cause it's not like I was like, Oh, Al Gore will be the best. Uh, because I looked at the Clinton presidency and I'm just like, Oh, somewhat similar to this. Certainly not as extreme. Just like, can't believe anything. Can't believe anything. And to me, the thing that I guess one of the things I value the most in a leader, whether it be a boss or a president, anybody in between, is somebody who, when I'm listening to that person talk, I believe them, which to me strikes me as fucking basic. <laughs> but somehow people are fine with it. And it's like, well, my 401k, or well, abortion. And, and if that's where it is, and that's where it is, I can't, I mean, I, I, I disagree with it. What, what am I going to do arguing it? First off, you're not here anyway for me to argue with, but I just, I don't know. I just, I'm in, I'm, I, I swear to you, I'm in awe. It, it contributes to the exhaustion. I'm in awe. And it's like, so, so that's the thing. We're not, we wouldn't necessarily even be talking about it on the show. I'm talking about the radio show. We'd be talking past each other. And then Doug would probably say something that isn't necessarily accurate, not because he's a, a malicious demon or something like that, but because that's where he gets his information and fuck, maybe it is accurate. Maybe where I get my information is not, maybe this was an, an impersonator doing an, an interview with Bob Woodward. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know, and then it, then it turns into, yeah, you go get him, Doug. No, you go get him, Tim. Finally, you're fucking going after him. That's what it is. And nobody's really listening because it becomes a contest, you know? And that's not, I just, that's, and then that's why I can't do it. Anyway, with regard to Biden winning, um, well, I mean, I absolutely could say, see it. It's like Ace King pocket Queens. It's flippish. But if you ask me who I'm going to bet on, I'd bet on Trump. And, the, and I think the biggest reason is what you say there. But I will agree that the activation of both the campaign and young people and people of color is certainly higher than 2016. But I think you have similar playbook. If you remember, there was Hillary Clinton, you know, she had an earpiece in, in the debates and Hillary Clinton, when she went to visit the September 11th Memorial, remember that yep. she's stumbling around. We're <laughs> yep. doing that now with Joe Biden being this invalid, you know, I mean, it's just, Oh God. And it's just like, you don't recognize the fucking playbook. I just don't live me. Don't get, or, or maybe you just don't care. And it's, and if you don't, you don't. I guess I would rather, I would respect it more. Not that you need my respect, respect it more. Just go, yeah, I don't fucking care. I think it's better for my portfolio. Yeah, I don't fucking care. I think it is wrong to kill unborn babies, you know, but then like, yeah, those are the reasons. And so therefore I'm going to defend this because that to me is where you lose credibility. Like there is nothing credible about defending the incredible <laughs> And this is so off the fucking map. And that's why I'm, I just can't, I can't understand it. I can't understand. I get, listen, man, I get the guy from Columbia who was the one guy who wrote in like explaining why he was MAGA, even though I don't really think I would necessarily describe him as MAGA. Like, did you see the video this week in Nevada this weekend of the people running to be at the front of the line <laughs> no. at one of his speeches? That's who I'm talking about. That's who I like. Is there someone listening to this? who, if he were campaigning in Missouri, which is completely unnecessary for him to do, but if he were to do it, and he might just do it just because he likes to hear the, the, the cheers, um, which is another thing that when you watch the 60 Minutes piece and the North Korea 
because I'm sure it wasn't written by Kim Jong-un. But, I mean, they knew how to play him. He just loves to hear the applause and the compliments. Your Excellency. You have Kim Jong-un calling him Your Excellency. (laughs) You're just going, God, these two. Uh, But if you would run to be at the rally, Joe Biden could be speaking at the corner of Manchester and Woodlawn, and I'm not sure I would go to see it, okay? And I'm voting for him. Manchester and Woodlawn being approximately, (laughs) I don't know, Pete, what, for you, uh, a wedge, for me, maybe an eight iron from where we are. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Downhill. (laughs) Slightly downhill, Hawk Whiff. This, this, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, there was a bunch of people. There was one person wearing a mask running, you know, (laughs) to be crowded in at this, like, airfield in Nevada to hear, you know, what is essentially you know, more rambling than questions from the audience, more, more just, just random babbling, you know, and it's like just enamored with it. And that's what I want to know. I just, I, for real, like, but I mean, I have, but I, but when, when the guy in Columbia said just exhausted by the political correctness, now I don't believe Barack Obama ushered in political correctness. The PCU uh, movie we talked about uh, in an episode recently came out in the early nineties with the great Jeremy Piven. Uh, that's been going on, but some people really believe, and maybe they're right, that Barack Obama's presidency, uh, amplified political correctness. Um, certainly what has taken place on social media was not around pre Barack Obama, but I would present that Twitter wasn't around pre Barack Obama. And I think that has been the biggest amplifier, uh, of people getting canceled and taken out for, for expressing a dissenting opinion. I think there are a lot of people who feel um, that it is incredibly unhealthy. And I would put myself in this category to an extent that you cannot express an opinion that is not bigoted, but just going, is this where we are without being called a bigot? And, but I don't see how that you can have that and then go, so therefore I will vote for Donald Trump. But maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Um, with, with regard to what Dustin wrote in with the data, I think it's, I think there's a lot to that. Um, here's something that has not been discussed or really played out. I don't think what is it going to be like on election day, Pete, to go out and vote? Yeah. I was thinking about that. (laughs) I mean, the, the, you know, you can talk about weather and older people. Well, now you got weather and anybody. And you're talking about November 3rd. So it's November 3rd, right? It's November 10th. 3rd, I believe. Okay. Uh, fucking idiot sitting here pontificating on shit, and I don't even know when election day is. Uh, November 3rd. Uh, first Tuesday in November. The uh, weather shouldn't be terrible. Could it be around the country? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not going to be in the Sunbelt states. Um, but... Where are the Sunbelt states going? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's already kind of factored in. But, you know, I mean, that's that's the thing. And then there are plenty of people. I was listening to Stern, and, boy, Stern is, I don't know what. Do you ever listen to him? I haven't listened to him recently. What's, but, he, what's he on? A buddy of mine, a uh, good friend of mine, who is very, I mean, is uh, probably the most anti-Trump person uh it's also, I think, the smartest person I know anywhere. And I'm and I'm not tying the two together. My premise is he's just not like some guy who hangs out on Twitter and tries to be probably not even have Twitter. But 
Uh, you know, we talk about numbers and elections and so on and so forth, and not just the presidency. And uh, and we've certainly disagreed on some. Um, but uh, with regard to um, the presidential election and, and how it would shake out, and he's very, very confident, and also just feels like the Supreme Court, if, if all hell were to break loose, would, would not allow something, you know. But I'm just telling you, with, with regard to people who listen, he was telling me about Stern, uh, and he's like, Stern has gone full on anti-Trump. And, and it's kind of like, I don't fucking care. I, I mean, at this point, how much money does he have? He knows he's done soon, you know, and he's just like, I, he just, he feels like he has to do, he has an obligation to, to do it. And so he is just balls to the wall. Cause I usually just tune in to listen to interviews, but and I've just tuned in and he is balls to the wall and people call and arguing. I don't fucking care. I don't care. I gotta say it. It's my responsibility. So they talk a lot of politics now relative to what they used to do. And, um, and Robin was saying, I'm not voting in person. There's no way in the world I'm voting in person. Now I'll vote in person, but I guess what could be an issue is a weather B long lines, you know? Um, and obviously they're spaced out and the process is you have to think is going to take much longer than it normally does. For sure. So are you really going to do it? You know, you might sit there and get your pound of flesh on social media and call people racist for supporting Donald Trump. Are you willing to do that? And I'm not sure some people are, which really sounds bad, but you know, I mean, back it up, you know, put in your time. It's easy to type off your snarky burner account. But, you know, so I wonder about that, man. And then let me take it a step further. The integrity of it all. I wouldn't rule anything out. And then <laughs> the results. I mean, what's become a regular talking point now is Trump is ahead before the mail-in votes are, are counted. And it's not like they'll be ready by Wednesday. It's going to take time. And then what happens if Biden then takes over over the next couple of weeks? What do you think? What do you think this shit's going to be like anyway, whenever whoever wins, much less if one wins, but then actually he didn't win and it's because of the mail-in vote. What do you think that's going to be like? Disaster. Oh my goodness. So, and I guess like I'm looking at this stuff and to me, it, it strikes me as, this is coming. And, and and as Pete and I are talking, it's September 14th. This isn't a year away. This is a month and a half away. This is, I think, if the math's correct, 50 days away. That's where we are. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, I mean, we're going to be inside. If you're in the, if you're in, you know, above shit, I don't know where the, the, the weather cutoff is. We're going to be inside most of the next X amount of months, starting in November, and we're going to have chaos, and we're going to have flu season. I was in. I was talking with some doctors, and I'm like, "Hey, you know, I've seen some articles talking about flu season won't be as bad because everybody's wearing a mask, and the flu season wasn't bad in the southern hemisphere. You know, where it's winter. As if I have to say this to doctors, you know, where it's winter. In case you weren't aware, down there we don't have the same." And they're going, no, this is going to be bad, and it's going to be really bad, and it's going to be bad well into next year. And I'm like, oh, that fucking sucks. I thought I was going to 
you were going to say this is going to be okay. And, and then you had Fauci on what Friday on, you know, well into late 2021, but you say Fauci and people line up on their sides now. Ah, and I hate doing this on this podcast, but I mean, this is the, this is what I'm, these are my honest thoughts. This is what I really think. And I think if you, you know, I don't know, do you listen, just like I said, if you see it otherwise, please provide. And people did, you know, this gentleman did. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll ask the same thing. If you see it, if you see it another way, God bless America. Um, let me see. I, I need to do some uh, spots. I know that. Let me talk about James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. He is my insurance agent. His customer service is the absolute best. And that's why I switched. And now a lot of people know that as well. Plus, how about this? James Carlton has some exciting news to share for the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri, and James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history, meaning there has never been a better time for our listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. And the good news isn't just for those looking to change their coverage. Current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. Call 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, Paul James Carlton, State Farm. Also, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, who is just great people, online at evergreenstl.com. Or if you would like to give him a call, his number is 314-889-0503. Everyone needs a financial advisor, and in particular, in a crazy year like 2020, you want to have a financial advisor and uh, in, in 2020, I was talking about this with, I think maybe we were talking about Rocky Elm, our board operator on TMA, and just saying, what's your situation? And just like, God, I just want to grab him and go get somebody. And I think, and I know what I thought back when I was doing it, but just not really paying attention. I didn't understand a 401k. It struck me as complicated. It's not like I really understand it now. I just have a greater appreciation for it, certainly, and handle it, but uh, it's like, oh, well, now you're taking money out of my pocket. I don't really want to save it. I'm 23 years old and 401k. I mean, that's 40 years away. What the hell? And how different things would have been if I would have handled things differently then. And just having a financial, like a fine, like a, like somebody who's not a friend, somebody who works for you, you know, somebody who really is invested in being with you for the long run. Yeah. You might not have a bunch right now, but over the course of the next 20 years, if this person builds that relationship with you, they're with you and they're growing with you. Mark Hanna can be that person. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And Design Air Heating and Cooling. Designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp and his family have been taking care of St. Louisans. Since 1904, just installed a brand new Train 16 Sear air conditioning in our home, and it really is uh, a big difference. Man, I love when that thing kicks on because I love having it cold when I'm sleeping, and it is the best. The it, it really is. It helps me navigate when my son's down there kicking around at the bottom of the bed. It is something else. Seth Goldcamp is outstanding, and uh, his staff really is something else. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at Design Air Service. 
Um, he is, uh, he really is they, what they've done with our audience and the work that they do. It's so often, so many people are like, I had my air conditioning shut down and like within an hour, somebody from design air is there. It's a different, different world. Uh, okay. I just got gangster Pete. I'm looking at my emails and I just got one, uh, that's titled erotica. Oh, see what we got here. But then I see it mentioned St. Gabriel's and I'm like, this might be, <laughs> so we might be bailing for, again, fortunately the editing ability. I drive a I drive a group of kids to Gabe's in the morning around seven forty. They are used to hearing Stern in the morning, but since he's kind of a pussy now, oh, see there you go. Now he's anti-Trump. So that's, that's, uh, and I have found you guys. I'm new to the show and a lemming. The kiddos have been getting an earful of you all. It's pretty harmless stuff, and they really don't listen. It's a two minute drive. Their ears do perk up when you guys mention St. Gabriel's. So <laughs> they think it's cool. My fourth grade boy must have been paying attention today though, because he wants me to write you and tell you some erotic stories. I don't know or want to know what he thinks is erotic, but I told him I'm going to get to work on it. Love the show, homie. That's from Tim Schmid. Did you say Schmidt or Schmid? Schmid. Schmidt. Um, well, there was no erotica there, but I guess he's promising now to... Uh, good at teasing. Getting, getting good at teasing, so we're grateful for that. Uh, so we got another one coming. Let's see. Uh, Tim, been listening to the show for roughly six or so years. I recall having to do some deep dives and employ Buck Swope clips to really get a history of some of the shows and inside jokes and drops. It's all still hilarious, so my question would be this. Have you guys ever entertained doing an anniversary show or some kind of recap show where you guys can revisit some of the infamous drops and stories and give the new listeners a chance to hear it from the horse's mouth, per se? I do think the Free Dota movement was incredibly valuable in terms of marketing. I started listening after a Cardinals game, and I Google search of Free Dotum. Huh, how about wow. that? I uh, just thought it could be a cool idea, and I'm sure even the olds would enjoy the nostalgia. No need to read my name. I'm a slew grad and have a hugely important job that I'm hugely successful at, something those other MCC losers wouldn't understand. Thanks. I really enjoy the show. What Ouch. a wonderful. Can't take a shot at me there. The yeah, end. I don't know. I'm kind of, I think 60% of the MCC is <laughs> fine. But uh, anyway, uh, well, I, I, I here's the thing. With regard to, I guess, me and Doug now are the... Uh, two longest standing members of the show. Uh, first time I've said those words uh, since the cat and I were uh, together. And I never rule out the cat coming back. You know, you feel like the cat's... Yeah, I don't think it's over. I'll be back. But with that all said, um, Doug and I truly, truly feel this way. We don't know what people would find entertaining for us to talk about. So... This we need the audience to say what's the backstory on this, and maybe I would have Doug come in. Maybe would you know? Because I don't want to. I don't want to interview Doug like I interview people. I have no. I think it would be awkward. I know this. I would feel awkward. All I know is I think he would too. It would just be, you know, like can you picture like <laughs> Howard Stern going? So Robin, tell me about you know where right. you went to school. I mean, it's just that's it's not, a, it. Kind of sounds like he wants you to bring in like a parade of characters and just. Relive it. I would. Them, I mean, yeah. I would. I would certainly do it. Like, what is it that people want to know about the show? Because I mean, once you bring it up, then I can go, okay, yeah, here's what happened. But honestly, I don't know. Like, like my wife, I I talked about this on TMA today. Like how the Iggy nine o'clock hour song has become a thing. And I said, I think this is how it happened. And here's how the night shift with Commodores thing happened. There's always a story, but it's an inside joke wrapped inside of an inside joke wrapped inside of an inside joke. So, uh, I almost gave your name, but. Uh, I'm, we're happy to do it. You just got to kind of point us in the right direction. All right. I haven't even looked at the fan page. This is kind of the time where I'm like, okay, I got to get Gangster Pete out of here. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, who is your slash Gangster Pete's favorite random recurring guest from years past? Now, including Larry or Mike, but like Rudy or my personal favorite Douglas in his schedule readings. Uh, Gangster Pete is a longtime listener. Do you have? Yeah, I was a big fan of Bruce. Ah, yeah. My answer is Jackie. Yeah. I, I and and I and I don't know where Jackie went, but uh, I loved her phone calls. I would light up when she was called in. Uh, Tim, I'm confused by Layla Starr's big fake butt. I'm both attracted to it and repulsed by it. Why? I actually have no idea who she is. It sounds like a stag star. I guess I'll type it in. That's where I'd put my money. Um, see if I recognize her. I mean, if I'm not familiar with her, that probably means I'm not going to be a fan, but let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's a brio fest. She looks like, I mean, it, it, like, like it's either you, you have the blonde hair with that face now or you have the brunette hair with that face now. Are you on Layla Star? Yeah, that's, that's outrageous. Do you know what I mean? Yep. You know what I mean by the brio face? Oh, yeah, for I mean, sure. It's just like, what are we doing here? And she <laughs> could be anywhere from 50 years old to 18. And I guess maybe that's the goal. Now now I see Layla Star pictures before all that and looks like an absolutely different human being. And, yes, she does have a huge uh, fake butt. No question about it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, she'd be hot without the fake butt. Would she be hot? I mean, she would be. She would be? Hotter. Oh, my God. Now I'm seeing the fake. Oh, my God. It is huge. It's not just. Yeah, that's like that's that's like that's like that Kardashian picture. Cartoonish. Yeah. I. Yeah, like I'm trying to picture like if I were with her and like take off the drawers and then. I mean, obviously, you'd see it, though, beforehand. <laughs> I had a uh, situation, Gangster Pete. I don't, I don't know if you ever crossed this line. <laughs> uh, this was in the late 90s with a lass who was ashamed of having large breasts. So when the time came... Reduction? No, 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 no. When the time came and I took her top off, oh. I had no idea, none, that she was like a double D. <laughs> I mean, what a wonderful treat! Because usually you're like, okay, this is you know, this yep. is where things are going to go, and this is going to be fun. Kind of wanted to see what's doing. Uh, and I got a, I mean, what a, what a, what a, what wonderful surprise! I, but with with these these fake asses or these injections, everything that's going on with that, I mean, it's so commonplace now. But I, t I I'll, I'll tell you, and I may have told this story before the unofficial title of this podcast it's like what you talk about willis an episode's not complete until i say i may have told this story before but i i texted caden a couple of years ago i said you know everybody talks about whether or not they get uh breast enhancements but i see a lot of your peers in the industry getting ass implants but they talk about it like they got them because they did squats which yeah. is just obviously bullshit. I go, what's that about? She goes, yeah, everybody's getting them. But like, it's like a, we're all like not, well, I, I don't want to say we're because she wasn't saying she did. And I don't think she did, but it's like a, like we're all keeping it a secret. Like look at women's asses. Like just like 10 years ago versus like, again, like 20 somethings. And then like certainly adult film stars, like what happened? Like the squat rack didn't just appear. Holy shit. By the way, I was watching the Woodstock documentary. You ever watched that? I didn't watch I've, all of it. It's like eight hours. Which or one? Four I've hours. seen a couple. Oh, really? Yeah. I think this is the one that won a bunch of awards. I mean, it's just, it's almost like, it feels like it's unedited, just, you know, random shit. 
And you know what stood out to me most about it outside of the music and the mud and the whole thing? The naked people? Well, there's that, <laughs> but there's the other. Here's the other thing. And and once I tell you, you won't be able to unsee it, not right. necessarily in a bad way. Everybody's thin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's thin. Yeah, now that you bring that up, <laughs> I'm trying to think of one that's not. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if they had one of those things now oh, and what man. that would look like? <laughs> I'll pass. And you go, what in the hell happened? <laughs> I, and, I, and I'm actually, now there's another one, homework assignment. What in the hell happened? I really don't know. Like, what in the hell happened? I mean, like, <laughs> not just like thin, like thinner than, you know. Yeah, like I you might know. think it was unhealthy thin. Yeah. I, I, I checked in at 163.4, you know, thinner than me thin, you know, that kind of thin. I, I don't, I mean, like, like, kind of, and I don't know what, what happened. I, I would, we see like video from the, you know, 1980s and go, everybody was thin. I think that's kind of when it started. I don't know what, ha I really don't know. I think it's just <laughs> shitty food. <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, I think it's. Shitty food. I mean, it's a cultural thing. A sedentary lifestyle. But I mean, were people running around in the 50s and 60s and people thought, well, we went outside and played ball. But I mean, I'm really, I mean, I know I did, but I mean, it was like we were playing wiffle ball. We weren't just running all over the fucking place. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> as always, another. I won't be able to see that. Now yeah, next once, time once I watch you it. see that, you'll, you'll just be like, holy shit, everybody's thin. Uh, hey, Tim, um, do you like lotion being rubbed on your back? Yes. Who doesn't? Yeah. Both uh, Smoke and I on the same page. Prod Joe is the greatest dickhead in the history of St. Louis AM Sports Talk Morning Show. There is just an opinion. <laughs> um, he's, cer he's certainly live. I'm trying to think who would even be. I, I Yeah, I, I, I think you I think you might be right. Uh, what is your mental state right now when it comes to the pandemic? Still doing all right. What about your friends and family? Is this too personal? Don't worry about answering. Um... We've gone to restaurants. I hadn't, as of, I think, a month ago, dined at a restaurant. But we have gone and eaten inside of restaurants now twice, my wife and I. To Olive and Oak a few weeks ago. Went to Palmano's this past Saturday. And it was so good. Both places. So good. I said to Paul walking out. My wife actually said this. It was like, it's better than, but maybe it was just like we hadn't had it in so long. God, that place is incredible. Um, you been there? No, I need to check that oh, out. Oh, Gangster Pete. Every time you talk about it, I'm like, oh, I'm missing out. Oh, Gangster Pete. Um, yeah. Um, just, I mean, it's, it's in another, it's in another Where's level. Where's it at? That's the thing about it. Cause yeah, that, that's why I don't think I've been there. It's like at Olive and 141 and, and yeah. it's in a strip mall. I mean, there's no other way you can't. And so I think, you know, I was talking to some friends of mine, uh, on Saturday we had, Jameson out with me and they just got this guy and his girlfriend they just got done playing and we're just over at the little practice range screwing off and they go oh, we got reservations go, oh, where are you going they told me they were going I said I'm I'm fired up we're going we got reservations Palmano's they go what's Palmano these are my like peers yeah friends and I'm like really and then I laid it out you know they're they're going Claytoning and so if you're used to Claytoning then You'd be like, oh, a strip mall and wherever the fuck. I don't even know. Is it Creve Corps, Town and Country, Chesterfield? I don't know where it is. And you go, oh, your suburb fest. <laughs> okay, fine. Whatever. I don't give a shit. But the, the place, I don't know. You know, this, this by the way, this is, this is a Joe Buck thing. This is a guy who travels all over, at the very least, the country. He certainly has traveled globally. And I've heard him talk about it. 
it's just give me one of the best rest favorite restaurants and he'll like when he's on national pot and there's a place in st louis palmano's and i think he might even said it's in a strip mall you would never <laughs> think and it is just so good i can't be Begin to tell you how good it is. I want. I I actually want to take you there. Yeah, I I'll, really do. I'll take the strip mall vibe over Clayton any day. I, I that's just you would never. I mean, I really do. Um, uh, we have a big day with the show. We play Westboro and then we go to Polmanos. And I thank you for the. <laughs> I just thank you. I'm all in. <laughs> I just thank you. Period. Consider this a yes. Uh, I know. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta get that Venmo back up. <laughs> Been bleeding lately. Um. That's one of the things with getting a handicap low. It's it's not good. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm probably more like a six or seven, but it was down to a four, three, and not good. Um, so anyway, regarding the pandemic, um, um, definitely a better state of mind on it now than March and April and May less of a positive outlook on the economic impacts of it uh, than I had in March, April, and May, which may sound uh, contradictory, but if I uh, attempt to explain it, I would tell you, I thought, I, if you would ask me in May what mid-September would look like, especially with sports returning, and by the way, at that time, I don't think I would have ever thought, I obviously, Pete, I just Venmo you 10 bucks on the college football thing, but baseball, basketball, hockey, that I thought maybe we'd have golf and that would be it. That everything would be planned. And the NFL, you know, everything would be planned. Um, and the economic impact of it uh, is, is as bad as it is and I think is going to get worse, which I fucking hate saying. And I don't know what the solution to it is. Um, that really concerns me i think pete that actually concerns me more than the virus itself the economic impact yes yeah um and, and i don't know that i don't know there's a solu- there isn't a solution it, but i'll tell you man it goes back to michael osterholm you telling me about his interview on rogan and listening to it and he's been saying the same thing from the beginning first off his projections have been on uh and then secondarily he, he's been saying it from the beginning we have to learn how to live with this virus. We have to learn how to live with this virus because it's not going away. And I think we're just so geared toward, well, when it's over. And and this might be, like I was, I was communicating with a doctor about this. He said, how long? He goes, oh, I think by June next year, I think it'll be in the rear view mirror. And I'm like, okay, that's great to hear. Now, this was two months ago, I think we were having this conversation. He goes, but I think masks are here to stay. I go, wow. And potentially occupancy uh, restrictions could be here to stay. You know, that's that's the thing. Not necessarily, you know, um, the deaths and the infections, but that this will be so as something like this, the the probability of a spread is reduced because this is it. You know, I mean, this is, I think, once they had, what was it, SARS in... in um, <sighs> in Asia, and I don't recall exactly what nation had it the, the worst, that, that you will, I mean, it's com- commonplace, they'll show video of some something going on overseas in an Asian nation, and you'll see a bunch of people wearing masks. It just kind of became the thing. Uh, it's not like, oh, that person must be sick. That is what it be just becoming. At this point now, my son, who's just turned three, 
he has to walk into his preschool. He goes two days a week and he's wearing a mask. And, you know, a few months ago, he was petrified of masks and now he's wearing a mask. Our kids will grow up with that being a normal. Um, and it's in honestly, in that sense, I'm fine with it. It's better that it's that way than otherwise. Um, so wh- how would you describe where you are on the pandemic? Gangster I mean, I'm exhausted by the politicization of it. Uh, it is what it is. You just got to deal with it. You know, with regard to the, the, the how things broke politically with it in, at the end of March is where I noticed it. And then that's where I'm like, okay, I'm not talking about it on right. anymore. If somebody, if, if the cat, Doug, Pete, which I think Iggy, is a great Paul, move because it would just be so depressing and boring. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I've been called a coward for not doing it. So it's, well, I, I mean, I it's cut both ways. Um, but then, and don't get me wrong, plenty of people appreciate that. We've just not, but with, with all of that said, had the president from the beginning said, if you can picture him doing a speech sitting in the Oval Office in late January of the first week of February, that it has come to our attention that this pandemic that you may or may not be familiar with that is affecting China, hence our restriction on air travel from China, uh, is a serious, serious situation. And it is imperative for all Americans to understand how serious this situation is, um, that we are going to have to take measures over the next few months to make sure that what is taking place in China does not happen in our country. You would have, as he said, some of the things that he said in that interview, um, I agree with him 100% that people do panic. I mean, fuck, you saw it with toilet paper, and that was with him, (laughs) you know, talking about it not being a big deal that was going on. Um, what else was going on? Toilet paper. What are the other thing that was going on? Hand sanitizer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that you would have had, you absolutely would have had, you absolutely would have had panic. You absolutely would have had panic. But because he was the one saying it, the portion of the country who did not believe it until he started talking about it seriously would have been on board from the beginning. And you would not have had the politiza- politicization of it. Uh, politicization. It's a hard word to say. I, it really just, is. I just mumbled through it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I botched it three times. Uh, so, um, Polita- Polita- politicization. 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 Yeah, that politicization. <laughs> oh. um, I really believe that. Now. You can't point to criticism you received for the China air travel restriction. It came from the left. Got to call it how we see it. Got to call it how it went down. Can't pick and choose. That did happen. Oh, well, this is a you know, bigoted thing. You know, he did do that. But he also did other things. And, I, and, that's, and that's what I believe. That's, that's what I think. And I think he downplayed it not because of the panic that he's right. It would have happened. There would have been much more panic. Than there was, but I also think he did it because he didn't want to risk his reelection, and that I think is really essentially all he gives a damn about. That's what I think. And you can email me and motherfuck me, and it's cool because a lot of you already do. Just you do it from your burners. And what does that say for you? Tough guy. Yeah. I mean, here you are. You're in your forties. <laughs> you got to log out and get on the hotmail. 
so you can send the radio podcast host that he doesn't like your guy. You know, but all right, have at it. I've been receiving him for 20 years, man. If it's going to make you feel better, it's very fine with me. Bring it. Uh, it's, I mean, you know. Um, and then finally, I have a weird hypothetical that sounded good in my head. If it sucks, then skip right over it. Say I'm an in-person World Series of Poker main event in 2021. I do not believe there will be one, but I will play along. My only poker experience is really just playing with friends throughout high school and college. Sam just dealt absolutely great cards, nuts after nuts, and aces, kings, et cetera, et cetera. How long do I last in the tournament? Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying with the question. It is a tough hypothetical because even if you're dealt kings, it's not like that's, you know, seven deuce can beat kings. Seven deuce being the worst hand, aces being the best hand, kings being the second best hand. That's, you know, now I'm going to start getting into the weeds. A lot on, of variables. Yeah, it's just, it, it just doesn't, you know... The best player. It's one of those things. It's um, I was playing yesterday with a guy who is an incredible PLO player, which is saying something because that's that's pot limit Omaha. You ever play PLO? Yeah. What do you think of that, Gangster Pete? I uh, mean, that is like <laughs> the cleanest cocaine of gambling going. Holy fuck! I prefer to keep it a little simpler. Oh my god, the swings of PLO. I mean, I could sit down. I could deposit a hundred bucks in Bovada right now, and I could be up two thousand. I was for real within a, by it, we're it's twelve oh seven. We it, by three o'clock playing fifty cent dollar. I don't know if I could be two thousand by then, playing fifty cent dollar. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just. But I mean, also if I had five hundred in my account, and I sat down, it could be gone within five minutes. That's it's just the swingiest fucking game. Point being, this gentleman we were talking yesterday. A bunch of bunch of us were hanging out yesterday afternoon. And uh, the phenomenon uh, uh, du jour is gin. And some people are really committed to learning gin, kind of like they were a decade plus ago with poker, no limit. And this guy who is a PLO wizard was going, you know, and the guy was going, yeah, I'm losing money. And he goes, well, that's the deal. Nobody sits down and wins money. You learn a game and then other people are behind you and some people excel and other people stay flat. And then the game evolves and you learn new, you know, strategies and so on and so forth. Uh, point being that, um, the, you know, I remember Joseph Eisman, who we would joke or jokingly say is my father, uh, would come on TMA and he would give me shit about poker. I always enjoyed those interviews. He was great, man. Uh, he was really happy with that. I can't say Redskins, I guess Washington football team comeback, uh, yesterday against the Eagles. I saw him tweeting out about that. Dwayne Haskins, a big value pick yesterday on drafting that, um, he he would say, I could play you, and it is all that matters is the cards. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, he's I mean, he's just a hundred percent wrong. And he has no idea. Because the cards that actually give you the chance at the biggest pots are when I will raise an early position with something like nine seven suited. That's you know, like one gappers, you know, or even two gappers suited just, you know. And you just keep betting and somebody's looking at the board and they're like, I've got a fucking set of jacks here. There's no overcard on the board. I think this guy's just betting his aces and just going to go down with the ship. I got a call unless he's somehow got nine, seven and it's, there's a five, six and, and that eight just came off on the turn. There's no way I got that's Those are the decisions I would be put to, or I would put people to, when I would play in the World Series of Poker. And the person usually putting it to me was from Russia 
in a hooded sweatshirt, <laughs> sunglasses with the personality of this bottle of water. <laughs> that and hopped up on so much fucking Adderall, you know, so that is, that's what it's like. I would play in St. Louis and I'd be like, okay, this is, this is, this, this is just, I don't even know what this game is. I guess it's, I, it certainly was beatable as they say. Uh, going down to Lumiere, and people go, you don't like to play? And I go, no, because I can't figure out the fucking game. It's just batshit. I, I don't know what the hell it is. you know. <laughs> and I know I'm a better player than I think everybody at the table, but because the thing's so fucking all over the map, I can't follow it. You know, it's it, it's like, when, you know, I, what was I saying to somebody? Um, it, was, it was a golf poker analogy that, um, oh, yeah. In an event recently, I was playing with a guy who's a great player. We're, we were both in the fours, handicaps, playing two guys who were much older than us. I guess their handicaps had to be relatively similar. And they just skull-fucked us. <laughs> I mean, they skull-fucked us. That old man game can that, get you. Oh, Pete. It can get you, man. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm playing. I'm right. Like, I'm, you know, and, you know, it's our home course. This is going to be... You know, then you'll hit, like, majestic shots. They'll keep you, like, 20 feet off the ground. Uh, You're like, oh, I'm it, killing it, them. And by I, the end of the hole, it's, it's like par. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then it, all you do is you lose one, and then it's like, oh, shit. Oh. And then it just it compounds. <laughs> and, I mean, we were I remember. I'll get to the point of the story. But <laughs> we were, because uh, there is a poker analogy. I think you, if we would have gotten up on the tee box, because he's around my age, and he's a very good player, and certainly hits it further than me, um, and... And there would have been two guys like who were right around our same handicaps, but they were like eight or nine years younger than us. I think the natural inclination, all right, let's ratchet our games up. This is going to be tough. We'll be focused. Well, I think one guy was in his seventies and he smoked every minute of the match. I mean, he lit his next one with the current one and then another guy and we're hitting it, you know, certainly well past him to the point that one of the guys goes, this really isn't fair, you know, because my guy, you know, he would have a wedge in, and this I, so helped me this happened. Their second shots are with three woods. My second shot's an eight iron, <laughs> and the guy I'm with has a, a 56. <laughs> and I said to him, I said to him, as he's getting ready to hit his, if we're, our shots, I, and I'm, you know, we're walking, and I put my bag down, I go, okay, we're both in the fairway. I've got an eight iron. You're going to have maybe wedge or 56. They just hit three woods. If we lose <laughs> this hole, we honestly just need to just lay our clubs down, tap and tip our caps, and walk away. We it's we just it can't continue. This is it's just it, you know. And sure enough, we lost the fucking <laughs> we we didn't have the hole. We lost the fucking hole. It's unreal. It really happened. And I'm just like, he's, you know, usually it's like, okay, I'm going to be grabbing an eight iron for my second shot. My opponent's grabbing a three wood. He's on a side hill out of the rough, you know, and he's just, and they're just fucking jamming it in. Here, I'll like, fuck you again. Now you're down, now you're down seven, three, you know, um, God bless him. So, and I was talking about this with one of my buddies who also plays poker and golf. And I said, it's like being in the world series of poker. And I got done the best run I ever had where I made it to day three of the main event. And I was sitting at a table, and I in your your day two table assignments, you can see the players and you can look them up. And anytime you're always going to have guys you might not you might recognize the name, or you're going to see that they're pro poker pros and they're at a different you know different level, and 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 they're all younger than me, you know. And this is like five years ago too, so you know they're all in their twenties. 
and from Europe usually. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to fucking dig in. I got a good stack. I'm going to have to dig in because this is going to be brutal to survive this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is. And you, and you also kind of play scared. I have to be honest. You kind of play scared because you're like, fuck, I know I've got it, but shit. And I know he's betting into me and he's got nothing because there's no way with the action that he's got the one hand that would beat me. But still, you're just like, oh, fuck, maybe he has it. I call, you know, it's just bitch shit. And, uh, and then, but I survive. And I actually, I think I nearly doubled my stack. And they break the table in the, uh, the famed room there at the Rio and we're carrying our chips over to the next table, and it's nothing but older American players. I mean, not just like like they're in their 40s. I'm talking 50s, 60s, 70s, and I'm like, and at that moment, I thought, oh, my God, I might win the World Series of Poker. I didn't just think, oh, this is good. I thought, oh, my God, I might win the World Series. Now, of course, I'm not winning the World Series of Poker, but that's the kind of break you need to win the World Series of Poker, your table. Like, if... Phil Ivey's on your left. It's probably not good. And, but the, I sit down and these guys have big chip stacks and they're doing shit that like, I knew what the Russians were doing. I knew what the European guys were doing. Cause we're kind of playing the same game. They just play it better than me. So I know the moves. These guys probably are just like rich, older guys who just were like, Oh, we'll go to Vegas and we'll fuck hookers and <laughs> drink scotch. And you know, you know, it'll be great. Oh, you, we got 10 grand. Let's buy into the thing. Don't fucking care. And they're just playing. And I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are just skull-fucking me. <laughs> I mean, I came over with 75,000 in chips. The chip average is like 40, and I'm just bleeding, and I don't know what's going on. I've got ace-king. There's an ace and a king out there. I'm feeling good about it. But there's, a you know, two tens and a king. And sure enough, he's got a full house because he was Fucking gonna ride that king ten into the river when the ten hit. You're just going, what are we doing here? That's what it is. That's what it is. So yes, you could be dealt aces. Yes, you could be dealt kings. And I'm telling you, if you rolled with only aces and kings, you would never ever survive. And that's because these guys are playing at a level that you can't possibly relate to. It, it, it's it's the golf and poker thing. I do think that's like the guys who've gone from poker to DraftKings. I think there's a similarity thing. I was talking because some of my guys who are my, my closest golf partners now also play a lot of poker or did play a lot of poker. And I think it's that individualism competition thing. There's got to be a constant there. Um, don't you think there's something there with that, Pete? I, and I can't identify it, but there's got to be something there. Yeah, when the COVID first started, my all my friends got formed like a it. poker league. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you've been playing. We were playing every weekend, like ton of games. Uh, so. my, my PLO buddy was talking about that there are sites now, and it's not Bovada. I'm not going to say it just because I don't know if it's, so I shouldn't be saying it. So stupid. God, if this hasn't been legalized and regulated throughout the country. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that are booming right now. But I think he's a cash game guy. I just like to play tournaments. But I play if I'm playing on Bovada, like Bovada, like they're just so small. I'm like, and then by then the blinds, you guys are playing cash games, right? Or are you playing yeah. tournaments? Well, we're playing cash. Well, it's tournaments. We, yeah, they set them up online. So I don't know what your blind structure is, but it just gets to a point where it's just you're just shoving, and it's just dumb. Yeah, we control the blind structure, so we have ours go a little That's slower. That's the, the great thing about the World Series, is it's. You know, right. you can play. You don't go, okay, shit. I just got, that's what happened. When yeah, you play Shove Fest isn't very fun. Yeah, I mean, and, and the skilled players aren't going to win those. Right. So anyway, um, 
he was telling us, I would love to get back. Cause I'm kind of thinking, okay, if I'm in St. Louis throughout the winter, I gotta, I gotta get something. Can't play golf. So I gotta get something, but you know, it's a different deal now than 10 years ago when didn't have a kid. And I'm just like, okay, Anna Marie, I'm getting in a, in a couple of the Sunday tournaments on poker stars. So, you know, entertain yourself with whatever today, because today's a poker day and I'm going to be playing in the next 12 hours or whatever. I hope I am. Um, but it's, it's the, the game evolves. And I guess what I would say where I was going with this is the difference between the top golfers in the world and the average player and the difference between the top poker players in the world and the average player. I actually think the disparity is greater on golf in a major way. Um, because with golf, you can't luck your way into a 330 yard drive. You can't (laughs) luck your way into a short game where you're getting up and down. Like, you know, God only knows what percentage of the pros are getting up and down. You know I mean? You can't luck your way into being Dustin Johnson. Yeah. I mean, you just, you can't, I mean, and, and, you know, but I think, you know, there, there is one thing that I would say, and maybe this can serve as, I don't know if I would call it advice because it's not like I got it mastered. One of the keys to success in both games is not allowing yourself to go on tilt. And there's certainly poker tilt, which is where the term came from, but there's golf tilt. And it's funny because some of my <laughs> the, like guys who I play golf with, who play poker, uh, you know, some are guys I'm like, oh shit. And if they're my partner, I'm like, okay, I see what's happening. I got to get him out of it. I got to get him out of it. I got to somehow get him out of it because I see what's happening. He's about, to, I'm about to lose him. And then there are others who they vent, they're not attacking anybody, they vent their own frustration with their own fuck-up or bad break or whatever it is, but that's how they get themselves right. And then they then it's just like, that's in the past. And that's what you have to be able to do in both games. Because, you know, that's the thing. Like, when I get on a heater in golf, I'm that's probably how my handicap got so low. But when, when shit goes wrong... I've got to make sure that I'm like, okay, it went wrong. Now I'm just going to try going, okay, my score is going to be shit today, but I'm going to try to birdie four of the 14 remaining holes or something like that and make that the goal because the score is not going to be any good. Uh, and so that is something that I would say. But with regard to poker, yeah, you theoretically could have a deep run because if you're big stack, now all of a sudden you can do some different things. But as far as just only playing those, you know, nuts, nuts, nuts aren't aces and kings. Nuts are the best hand once the, the board is you know, out there with the, the flop turn and river. Um, yeah, I would love to play, man. If poker stars, can you imagine? Did you ever play on poker stars or full tilt when before Black uh, Friday? No, uh, I had some friends that had money in there on Black Friday. Yeah, That's but uh, we we played a lot in college. Like it was huge when I was in college, so we played yeah. games all the time. I uh, I mean, if that went back, it'd be interesting to see how I say it'd be interesting. I would be interested to see how I would handle it now. Now knowing how much, you know, having just one child, much less uh, if we had more, um, you know, the ability. Because, again, I'm a tournament player. Like, if you just want to play for like two hours and play a cash game, you can do that. But I don't think I'm a very good cash game player. Tournament player, that's where I'm. I mean, I come rushing out of the gates and usually I'm. I'd say 75% of the time I'm near the top within an hour of a tournament on Bovada. Um, you push them around. Yeah. You know, and then you build it up, but then by the end of the tournament, it's just like, yeah. And so it's kind of like, it's not worth it. And then it's just tough to get my arms around 
I could play a $25. One of my biggest wins on Poker Stars, I think, was 14000 And that was third place in a $25 buy-in. Wow. A $25 buy-in. How many people were in that? Oh, shit. Thousands yeah. and thousands. <laughs> and pretty, now a $25 buy-in on Bovada. And again, I know there's other places. So if you're playing and the games are good, tell me. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't even, you'd have to win it to win a couple thousand, maybe. And, and this is during the day because I can't play them when they start at night. The good tournaments are at night on Bovada. I guess there's some people, I mean, it's totally illegal, but will use VPNs so they can represent, uh, I don't even know what it stands for, but you represent you're in a different country where it is right. legal, which is amazing that it's not legal in the United States. It's just so fucking, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's something I would want to get back into. Honestly, because it, it, it certainly affects your mood and the, just the time suck. But it was profitable. It was profitable. It got profitable. It was absolutely not profitable, but it got profitable. All right, we've done two hours of questions from the audience, and I'm well past my Gangster Pete uh, time. Uh, but Gangster Pete, thank you for rolling with me for uh, nearly two hours of Anytime, questions man. from the audience. I always enjoy it. And I was ready to go because we got so many good questions. I was like, I'll just do it over the weekend. I'm like, I want Gangster Pete. And the people want Gangster Pete. I'll get Gangster Pete. I got to get Gangster Pete. Uh, so thank you to Gangster Pete. Thank you to the listeners. Send your questions. Send your erotic stories in. Don't you want to share these? I mean, you might be like now in your 30s or 40s and married. And you're like, okay, fine. You're such a fucking pervert. You want to live vicariously through me? Yeah, t t tell me about your threesome. I want to hear it. I want to, and the people want to hear it. The people want to hear it. Or if you fucking hate me, like I talked about earlier on, I can already picture the fan page. Thing. <laughs> Did you hear questions from the audience where Tim says the audience isn't supportive? It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a portion of the audience that's not supportive. Uh, not even not supportive. They just don't like me. Uh, send in whatever. Everything is welcome. Motherfuck me. Gangster Pete, I'm sure you'd welcome motherfucking you. Oh, yeah, that'd be but fine. But your approval rating <laughs> is so high. Well, I'm sure the more you talk about that, the less high it'll be. <laughs> that's right. I'm that's strategically trying. Yeah. I'm trying you're, to get you're popular. You're trying to bring me down. Meta play. Who do you think has the highest approval rating on TMA? Uh, probably Doug. I don't know. Well, that. he did before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would agree with that as well. Uh, Even those people, I think, love Doug still. I don't. I really don't know. You don't think? I, I honestly don't know. I absolutely would agree with you before like 2020. Right. Hundred percent, I would <laughs> agree with you. I don't know. I don't know. I am comfortable in saying I am one of the lowest. I would say you're one of the lowest, but I also would say you have the. But I would say you have the lowest disapproval rating. Do you follow me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people would just say have no feeling. You know, but for the podcast where you talk, you have your fans. You know, so fans. <laughs> All right. I want to thank uh, Gangster Pete for putting up with two hours of this just rambling drivel uh, and participating in it. And uh, thank you to the audience and send your questions send your comments and motherfuckers, erotic stories or questions, whatever you hear. You're here. We'll talk about whatever. Um, T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. Mark Hanna, evergreen STL.com. Thank you to James Carlton, carltoninsurance.net, Seth Goldcamp, designairservice.com, and Jim Rogers, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. That's with the number one, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Uh, this has been another edition of the Tim McCurden Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. 
You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.